Right, this morning we want to go to the book of Hosea. Book of Hosea. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Hosea. One of the minor prophets. So we'll give you a moment to find that. Hosea. Um, We're going to read chapter 1. And then a little bit later, just a couple of verses from chapter 3. But chapter 1, and I think the very first verse of chapter 2. The word of the Lord came to Hosea, the son of Beri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. And in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. And when the Lord began to speak by Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take to yourself a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry, for the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. Then the Lord said to him, Call his name Jezreel. For in a little while I will avenge the bloodshed of Jezreel in the house of Jehu and bring to an end the kingdom of the house of Israel. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. She conceived again and bore a daughter. Then God said to him, Call her name Lo-Ruhamah. Call her name Lo-Ruhamah. For I will no longer have mercy on the house of Israel but I will utterly take them away. Yet I will have mercy on the house of Judah, will save them by the Lord their God, and will not save them by bow, nor by sword, or battle, by horses or horsemen. Now when she had weaned Lo-Rahama, she conceived and bore a son. Then God said, Call his name Lo-Amai, for you are not my people, and I will not be your God." Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, there, he, there it shall be said to them, You are sons of the living God. And the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together and appoint for themselves one head, and they shall come up out of the land, for great will be the day of Jezreel. Say to your brethren, my people, and to your sisters, mercy is shown. The story of, has a story of Hosea and Gomer has often been called the second greatest story in the Bible. First greatest story, of course, is about the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's also called the greatest story in the Old Testament. Many a man or woman uh, has married an unfaithful wife, an unfaithful husband. But God told Hosea to deliberately, consciously go out and marry a harlot. Now, not only was he to marry her and love her, but he was to stick with her regardless of her unfaithfulness and her infidelity. 
this unfaithful relationship between Hosea and Gomer would be a mirror image of the unfaithful relationship between Israel and Jehovah. Much credit must be given to Hosea because actually entering into what would be a heartbreaking relationship and knowing full well before he entered into it that his heart would be broken again and again. And yet, in spite of that, he obeyed the Lord and he married Gomer. Now, Old Testament prophets were often called upon to dramatize the message that God was given to the nation. If they wouldn't hear God's words, then he would get a prophet to dramatize it in various startling ways uh, so that they would hopefully get the message. And so he asked them to do some difficult things, but nothing I'm sure could be more difficult and harder than actually going out and marrying an unfaithful woman. Now, as we saw in verse 1, Hosea prophesied during the days of four kings of Judah, Isaiah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, and also Jeroboam II of Israel, uh, of the ten northern tribes. You see, whenever Solomon died, his kingdom was divided into two unevenly. Uh, the two southern uh, tribes, uh, Judah and Benjamin, which simply just became known as Judah because it was the bigger of the two, uh, that was the uh, southern kingdom. And it had Jerusalem as its capital and center of worship. And uh, the northern kingdom, which was ten tribes, and Ephraim was the bigger of the ten tribes. And that's why sometimes when you read in the Old Testament that those ten northern tribes are just simply called Ephraim. Sometimes the, the whole of Israel is just simply called Ephraim for that reason, because it was the, the biggest of the ten tribes. Now, at the beginning when the kingdom is split, uh, Jeroboam uh, I, uh, he ruled over the ten tribes of the northern kingdom, which had Samaria as its capital. And because uh, Jeroboam I, he did not want uh, the people of the northern tribes to go down and worship at Jerusalem where they would have been used to be worshiping and hence losing them. And he was losing priests hand over fist that were migrating down to Jerusalem to worship the true place of worship. Uh, he had imported a pagan worship and so he built two places of worship in the northern kingdom in Dan way up in the north and in Bethel down in the south. And he put up golden calves and he said, these are the gods that delivered you out of Egypt. And not only that, but the people loved that. They loved to worship these golden calves. It was a form of worship where they could live how they liked, and it was a very licentious form of worship. It was a, a worship that was full of uh, absolute perversions and all kinds of things, and they loved it. No wonder God was angry, because they, in a sense, had prostituted themselves to foreign gods instead of loving Jehovah God as a husband to them and had been as a husband to them. And so this form of worship, this mixed idolatry with uh, Hebrew form of worship uh, became the worship of the ten northern tribes in particular. Now all of this happened 
about 700 years uh, before Christ. Hosea lived at the same time as Isaiah the prophet and Amos the prophet. And Isaiah was the prophet to the southern uh, two tribes, and Amos and Hosea was the prophets to the northern ten tribes. Now, can you imagine that here is the, the whole nation, even though it's divided, they have three great prophets. God was speaking clearly, loudly, through three great amazing prophets, and yet they were not listening. They didn't want to hear. They wanted that paganism. They wanted to worship other gods. And they had fallen in love with worshiping other gods. And so God is greatly disappointed. And in order to get the point driven home to them, uh, he gets Hosea to marry Gomer, this uh, harlot. Well, some say that she wasn't a harlot at the beginning, but uh, that she became unfaithful and prostituted herself after she was married. But it certainly looks like, no, that she was right from the beginning. That would fit the picture of what God was trying to say uh, to his people. And so Hazan knew what he was letting himself in for. Now he marries her. And soon after, you see, they con she conceived, she bore a son. And God said, call him Jezreel. Now Jezreel means two things. It means God scatters, but it also means God sows or God plants. And so God would scatter Israel because of her adulteries. And the ten northern tribes especially in particular, they were scattered some 70 to 90 years after this. And Judah eventually, about 130 years after this, they also were scattered and were taken into captivity and were scattered and sown amongst the nations. Now God would cause them to come back and he would plant them again, he would sow them again in the nation that God had given to them and that would be coming. Then also we see that Gomer conceived again, had a daughter, called her name Lo-Rohama, which means not loved, not pitied, no mercy. And so there would come a time when God would show them no mercy, no pity, not loved. And we see that amongst the nations even today. There is very little love or pity or mercy when it comes to Israel today. Sure there's not. And then we see that she had another son, the third child, Loamai, which means not my people. And so because of their idolatry and their adultery with these foreign gods, God was going to cut them off. He was going to show no pity and he would say, you're not my people. At least that would be for a time until they would repent and they would return again. But this is a story of God's great love. Yes, for their continuous disobedience, the worship of other gods, they would go into captivity, they'd be scattered, but God in his great mercy would bring them back again. Eventually, they would return again in repentance. So Jezreel not only means God scatters, but God sows. So they had been sown throughout the nations, but God would bring them back again and sow them in their own land. Isn't it interesting, since 1948, particularly since 1948, millions have come back again to the land and are being sown back again in the land, never ever to leave it again. And so, Lorahama 
then would be called Ruhama, low meaning not or no. God will have pity, God will have mercy. Loami will become Amai, meaning my people. Not my people becomes my people. So, to sum all of that up, and God said to Hosea, go and marry Gomer, a woman of harlotry. You'll have children of harlotry. Go and marry her as an example to these people. I'm their husband. I'm the one that truly loves them, but they're committing spiritual adultery with me. And because of continually doing that, I will scatter them among the nations. I will disown them. I will have no pity on them. For then they will repent and they will come back and I will bring them back to their land again and I will have mercy and I will have pity and they will, will be my people again. All right. So that is the very obvious application whenever you begin to read Hosea. But there is another application. There's at least one more. There's two or three, but there's at least one more, which is one I want to talk about today. And this is a wonderful example of God's love for the backslider. title of the message today is God's love for the backslider. <clears throat> Backsliders are often like Gomer. They're supposed to be married to the Lord, but instead they go out and they flirt with the world and they commit adultery with the gods of this world. Not gods of stones and idols, but gods of their own making that they worship instead of the true and the living God. But God still loves the backslider. And so Hosea and her story is like God, Gomer's like Israel, but in our application, it is the Lord who's like Hosea and it's the backslider who's like Gomer. But the Lord still loves the backslider. Jeremiah 3.14, he's married to the backslider. Now as Israel will turn her back and worship other gods like the gods of Baal or Baal if you want to call them. Uh, the rain god. And so there was times of drought times of famine. Instead of turning to the true God, Jehovah God, they would turn to Baal or Baal and they would worship him and they would plead with him for rain and for a harvest. And of course, we know the world has, doesn't have any answers, especially for the people of God. When people of God turn their back on the Lord and they get back into the world again, they find out that the world doesn't have any answers for them. And so that's why the Bible says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. 1 John 2, 15, 17. That's why the Bible says we're not to be friends with the world. James 4.4, 4, adulterers and adulteresses, spiritually speaking. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now we can be a friend to the world, but not a friend with the world. Jesus was the greatest friend the world ever had. He was called the friend of sinners. 
But he wasn't friends with the world. He was a friend to the world. Uh, And sometimes not wanting to seem to be like a friend with the world, we don't bother with the world. But the Bible says we're to be friends to the world. We're to reach into every man's world and preach the gospel and share the good news. James says that we're not to become spotted by the world. James 1.27 Keep yourself unspotted from the world. Paul says we're not to be conformed to the world. Romans 12.2 Be not conformed to this world. One translation says don't allow the world to shape you into its mold. Because that's what the world does. And the backslider who leaves the, leaves the Lord and goes back to the world again, it's not too long till they're shaped into the mold of this world. They think that this world, they act like this world. And so Gomer was unfaithful to Hosea. And even though he took her to be his wife, when it certainly seems that she had been a prostitute, a woman that gave herself to be abused and to be used by others. A woman of little or no self-esteem. Hosea took her and she was, if I could use the phrase, damaged goods. And he knew that. Knew your reputation, knew your standing within the community. Yet not only did he take her to be his wife, but he loved her as his wife. This was no mere just academic thing for this man. Even though God asked him to do this, but he had a great love for this woman. It wasn't just simply barefaced obedience. He did that in obedience, but having married her, he actually, literally did love her. He would feel his heart broken the way God's heart's broken whenever backsliders goes into the world. He provided a home for her, gave her food to eat, clothes to wear. He made her respectable give her back her dignity, her self-esteem, in spite of all of the gossiping and the tongue wagging that would go on behind their backs, they had babies together, raised a family. And yet in spite of all of that, all of Hosea's graciousness, all of his love, in spite of all of his faithfulness, in spite of all of his blessing to his wife, she still left him and left her children to go back to the world from whence she came to her other lovers. Chapter 2, verse 5 says, For their mother, that was Gomer, has played the harlot. She who conceived them has behaved shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers who gave me my bread and my water her daily necessities. And my wool and my linen, her luxuries. And my oil and my drink, her pleasures. Isn't it amazing that all of the things that Hosea had given her as her husband, as the one who loved her, who was faithful to her, she said it was her lovers gave her them. Backslider loses their perspective on spiritual things. They lose their perspective on the things of God. They forget who truly was good to them, who truly was the one who truly loved them. 
You will really know you're backslidden when you imagine it's the world that's really looking after your interests. <laughs> you really know you're backslidden then. When you think the world is going to look after your interests, you've missed it by a million miles. The world is not going to look after your interests. The world could care less about your interests. And if you're backslidden, it'll care even less. And so Israel had got to the place where it sought blessings from the gods of this world. Israel still held their Hebrew feast days. But they mixed it with their paganism. They had their Hebrew feast days, but on those days, instead of worshipping the true and living God, they worshipped other gods instead. But even though Hosea was heartbroken by Gomer's unfaithfulness, he still loved her. Still actually loved her. And he set about to try to win her back. Let's have a little look at a couple of verses here just in chapter 3. Then the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by a lover. That word lover there means husband or friend. The Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by a lover, a husband a friend, a true friend, and is committing adultery just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel who look to other gods and love the raisin cakes of the pagans. So I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and one and a half homers of barley. And I said to her, you shall stay with me many days. You shall not play the harlot nor shall you have a man, so too will I be toward you. Now, obviously, reading that, you can see that Gomer had left the family home. She had left her husband, her true lover, the one who really cared, the only one who really cared for her. And she went out and she found other lovers. But things went from bad to worse. It wasn't as exciting as you thought it was going to be. And certainly they weren't going to provide for her the way Hosea did. And it got to the stage where she became a slave sold in a marketplace. Now there's a few ways you can become a slave in Israel in those days. You could become a slave through captivity. Some foreign army come in, take you away, make you their slaves. Lots of examples of that in the Old Testament. You could become a slave because you were born a slave in captivity. Children of Israel and Egypt is a classic example. They were slaves to Egypt. Or you could become a slave through debt. You could not pay your debts. Or your parents couldn't pay their debts and you became a slave to work for who you owed the money to. Obviously, at some point, one of these so-called lovers, perhaps they were in desperate debt, and they decided the only thing they had left to sell was Gomer. And she had got to the stage where there's nothing she could do about it. She was treated as dirt, as trash. It's something just to be bought and sold. 
And so the day comes when she's going to be sold in the marketplace. And God speaks to Hosea, speaks to Hosea and says, I want you to go and buy her and bring her back. He goes to the marketplace and the price on her head is 15 shekels of silver on a bushel and a half of barley. The price of a slave was 30 pieces of silver. Jesus was sold for the price of a slave. Zechariah tells us 30 pieces of silver. She is not even worth much any longer, even to the world. She's nearly worthless, half the price of a slave. Not only that, she's not worth much to herself. See, you have to know that whenever a slave stood in the marketplace, man and woman, they were stripped naked. It was the most humiliating, undignified, embarrassing moment of their lives. They were like beasts of the field. Nobody cared for them. People just wanted to buy them to use them and abuse them. Can you imagine that moment when she stood there? Here she is. She's reached rock bottom, feeling worthless, humiliated, embarrassed, standing there, everybody looking at her, what an awful, pitiable scene. And God speaks to Hosea and says, go to the marketplace and buy her. <coughs> do you think that when Hosea came and saw her, do you think he stood there and looked at her and thought, hmm, serves you right. Never should have left me in the first place. Look at how I treated you. Look at how the world's treating you now. You deserve it. Get on them. You think that was his attitude? No. No, he loved her. He truly, truly loved her. God had put in a love in his heart for this woman. And all he could think about was, I've got to buy her. I've got to get her off that block. I've got to clothe her again. I've got to hide her wretchedness and her shame from the stare of heartless men. I've got to do this. And the bidding began. I don't know whether it started with one shackle or five or ten. It got to 15 and he was bidding. And it must have been Hosea said, 15 and one and a half bushels of barley. And that was, a, that was enough. All the other bidders dropped away. And he took her. And he loved her. And he welcomed her back into his arms. That's the kind of love that God has got for the backslider. Does not, in a, in a way, remind us of that New Testament story of the prodigal? When he got to the end of the stage where he was in the pig pen, he would have even eaten the pig's food but the master of the pigs wouldn't even give the food that he was giving the pigs to this young man. He was starving. He was filthy. 
He was humiliated. He was at the lowest ebb of his life. He says, I will go back to my father. He says, the father's servants are better off than I am. And he went back to the father. Do you remember what the father did? He hugged him and he kissed him and he put a robe upon him <laughs> and he cleaned him up, threw a party for him. This is the kind of love that God's got for the backslider, slider, for the broken, for the humiliated, for the embarrassed, for those who've reached the bottom. Isn't Christ wonderful that he loves us? Before we ever loved him, before we ever knew him, he loved us as much to go and die for us on that cross. Doesn't the Father love us today with an everlasting love? What a great picture this is also of Christ having pity and mercy on the lost. He came into the marketplace of this world. Romans 7, 14, Paul says, we were carnal, sold under sin. Sold in the marketplace of this world. What's the currency of the world? Influence, affluence, wealth, power, prestige, position. And we bought into that, didn't we? Sold under sin. But Christ came to the marketplace of this world. The word for market is agora. Agora. Agorazo means to buy in the marketplace. And Christ came and paid that awful price, his death on the cross, to buy us in the marketplace of this world. Acts agorazo means to buy out of the marketplace with the intention of not only buying in the marketplace, but what you bought to take it out of the marketplace, to own it. Now, not everybody who went to buy a slave went with the intention of getting that slave to work for them and to use them and abuse them. Sometimes out of pity, out of mercy, somebody would go and buy a slave in the marketplace to take them out of the marketplace and then to let them go free. Pay the price and let them go free. Le true means to let go free. And it's a word from where we get redemption from. A ransom was paid to let us go free. So Christ came to the marketplace of this world. We were sold under sin. We were slaves to sin, actually. And he bought us with that incredible price of his blood on the cross. And after he bought us in the marketplace, he took us out of the marketplace. And he set us free to love him and to serve him. 
So we're no longer servants or slaves, but we're sons. Is that what the Bible says? And yet the apostle Paul called himself a doulos, a love slave. You see, slaves in those days, if there came a point where the master decided to release them, they could have a choice. They could go free and go somewhere else, or they could stay with their master. If their master was a good master, they could stay with their master and become a love slave to them. Willingly work for them. Willingly stay with them. And the Apostle Paul says, okay, I'm a son, but I'm making myself a love slave to Christ. I will be his slave. I will be his servant. I will do his bidding because I love him. Because I want to serve him. Because he's such a good master. God loves the backslider. He hates what they do. He hates what's happened to them. He hates the direction they're going in. But he loves them. And his heart is to woo them back. To bring them back again. Into the safety and the protection and the love of the family of God. But often the backsliders blind it. And sometimes all the talking, sometimes all the pleading seems to get nowhere because they're not listening. But one day, Gomer got to the place and she got low enough. The prodigal got to the place where he got low enough. Where they began to see through this world and all the nonsense of it. And Israel has yet to get to that place. But it will. It will. The work has started. God is drawing them. One day all Israel shall be saved, the Bible says. Not yet, but one day. And one day she'll come back to the land and she'll never leave it. And she'll fulfill all of God's promises. Most of us that are believers, somewhere within our tribe, put it that way, are backsliders. And we pray for them. And where we can, we talk to them. Now, I know as parents, when our kids backslide, we want to preach to them. Probably all of us has done that. And the problem is, they have grown up, if they've grown up in the house of God, they already know what you're going to say. They can preach to you. And it's like water of a duck's back, isn't it? They just close off, shut down. So what are you going to do? You're going to love them the best you can. And you're going to pray for them as much as you can. And you're going to trust God that they will get to that place 
where they will see their situation and they will say, it would have been better for me to be with the Lord than this. And we're going to trust and believe for our backslidden loved ones especially. Many of you have sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, perhaps mothers and fathers. And they're not walking with the Lord today the way they used to. Now there's degrees of backsliding. Not everybody's going to end up like Gomer. There's degrees of it, isn't there? But they're not in the house of God today. Not reading the word of God today. They're not praying anymore, as far as we know. Unless when they get in trouble. <laughs> and you've talked to your blue in the face. You say, David, I prayed till I don't know what to pray anymore. Keep praying. Because the Holy Spirit can reach them for us. Isn't it amazing how that somebody can just cross their path at the right time? Somebody comes in to work in that office. Somebody in that university. Somebody in that class. Somebody in that factory floor. Somebody will cross their path. And will speak a word in season. The Holy Spirit can put all of that together. Do things that we cannot do. Reach into places we can never reach. Speak to people that have shut their ears to us. That's what we hope for. That's what we trust for. That's what we're praying for. And yes, where and when we can, if we get opportunity in the, in the, in the best possible way, we'll, we'll share. But God's got lots of ways. Because he still loves the backslider. And he wants to draw them to himself again. So we've got to love them too, don't we? Even though they frustrate us, maybe sometimes they'll make us angry. And sometimes they'll do things, you shake your head and think, oh, that was absolutely crazy. Why did they do that? Because they're blinded at the minute. God of this word blinds. So we need to pray and intercede and hold them up and love them anyway. I remember years ago, she won't mind me saying this because she tells us in her testimony, I remember years ago whenever Claire backslid for two years, I remember the day, it was a sunny day, out in my back garden, I had my Bible, I was preparing for Sunday and I was sitting outside reading it and she came out and I knew what she was going to say to me. Sally and I had seen this coming for a long time. She stopped coming to church periodically. She'd drop in, but that was it. And she wouldn't mind me saying that. I'm not telling tales out of school. I remember saying to me, Dad, I have to tell you something. And I knew exactly what she was going to tell me. She says, I'm not coming back to church again. I'm not coming back again. Well, she hadn't been coming very much at that point anyway, so it wasn't a big shock to me. But I remember turning around saying to her, Claire, I have one thing to say to you. I will hate what you do as a backslider. But no matter what you do, it will never stop you loving me. Sorry, it will never stop me loving you. It will never stop me loving you. I could have said it will break my heart. I'll feel hurt. But it won't stop me loving you. And her mom and I didn't know, want to know what she was up to as a backslider. 
even though sometimes she'd have told us, but we didn't want to know. You say what it was like that time? Was it heartbreaking? Absolutely. You say, well, as a pastor, as a preacher, what was it like? Well, the devil comes along and says, well, some pastor you are, some preacher you are. Look at you up there preaching on Sunday and your own daughter doesn't even want to go to church. What kind of minister are you? You think I'm without feeling? Do you think we're impervious to, to emotions or feelings? Of course not. There's times we were upset. There's times we were angry. Certainly times we wanted to preach and lay down the law. But we realize none of that works. Just got to pray for them and love them. And do you know what? When you pray for them and love them, at some point along the road, the Spirit of God breaks through. He said, you know, it got to the stage after a couple of years as I was driving from, from university up in Derry there, McGee, and I was coming down maybe the odd weekend. And she says, I, I didn't know why this was happening at the start, but she says, I was starting to cry. I just had to pull into the side of the road. I couldn't drive because I was crying that much. <clears throat> the Spirit of God was working on her. She says, I never told you that. And I says, no, no, you didn't because you know what I would have said to you. You ought to told me that. She's smart enough to know to not to tell her that. <laughs> but it wasn't a long time after that till she returned to the Lord. In Bible week one night, Bible week one night, it was, it was a time where there was lots and lots of prayer lines and I was standing, I was one of the ministers, pastors there, we were praying for people, loads of people for prayer and somebody was shadowing me at the back. I thought it was one of the people who was in the prayer team but in the end I looked around, it was her and she was done crying. She put her arms around me and says, Daddy, pray for me. And she was crying and I was crying. And she prayed her way back to the Lord that night. Do you know what? She has never been the same again. She's been on fire for God ever since. Because she realized the world is nothing out there. Nothing. You know, you hit to say, I told you so, but I remember one time she had a really bad attack of asthma and she was in the hospital. She was in the hospital two or three times that winter. And she said to us one night, she said at the bed, she says, you know, Dad, I'm just sitting here thinking, since I, I came into hospital with this, the only people that has visited me in hospital has been believers out of the church. She says, none of my friends came to see me. And I had to bite my tongue. I could have said I told you so, but I didn't. She began to realize the world isn't your friend. And no matter how bad sometimes church can be, and no matter how many times Christians fail you, the Lord and his house and his people are still the best. They're still the best. And so, for those of you with backslidden loved ones, be encouraged today. Pray for them. We have certainly got it in our extended family. Pray for them. Love them. When and where you can, share. But ask for God to send someone else across their path. It's amazing how many times that happens. Suddenly another believer will come and work beside them. <laughs> and just in the course of conversation, it will come up again. And the Spirit of God will take that to work 
on their behalf. Amen. Let's pray.